The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're here to give you helpful information about issues that can impact your financial life and hopefully make you aware of choices and opportunities that are available as well as potential problems that you may may not know about. We're sponsored by the estate planning team and the estate planning team is an affordable fee-based fiduciary planning firm that's known for traditional financial planning and objective unbiased analysis and recommendations. And we've been around the greater Cleveland area more than 35 years now. And we are um, accredited and A-rated members of the Better Business Bureau and Um, What we do is design custom financial plans and, again, help people with that objective, unbiased analysis. We're not investment advisors. We do financial modeling and certainly with concerns about inflation, market volatility, potential tax increases, and, and how that impacts your spending. We have a lot of people are worried and modeling tells you and doing these long-term projections lets you know, how do I adjust? Am I going to be okay? Do I even need to worry about it? Because in many cases, we have people coming in that are worried about something and in essence, um, even a recession or higher inflation rates don't materially affect their spending or their long-term plan that they're and the Universal concern, regardless of a state size, is will I have, do I have enough and will I run out of money? Um, we also offer a free consultation, which we offer by phone or in person. And we actually provide preliminary analysis if you provide us information for that consultation, which allows us to determine best how we can help you and the value and benefit we can provide you. And we have both comprehensive retainer fees and hourly options. So if you'd like to take advantage of a free, no obligation consultation, whether you're working or retired, you can call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. That's 440 440- Two three nine twenty ninety, or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. And you're listening to Carrie Waddell and Mark Donnelly here this morning. Good morning, Carrie. Yeah, we've got a lot on my plate this morning, Carrie. Okay. Um, we have a lot of, so let me just kind of give the outline for today. Well, you mentioned recession. I'm calling it the recession. So we'll, we'll start there. We, you know, we had the first quarter stock market, first quarter, First quarter, you know, first quarterly decline in all the major instant stock markets since the Rona recession, right in mm-hmm. in the first quarter of 2020. So the Dow down 4.5 percent percent in the first quarter. The Nasdaq down 9.1 percent in the first quarter. The S and P 500 down 4.95 percent in the first quarter. No surprise because we had the early correction in, you right. know, in January. So it's come back a little bit since the low, but still first negative quarter. Um, also, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. We also had, uh, you know, we're taping this show on Friday, mm-hmm. April 1st. No April Fool's jokes today, Carrie, please. I'm t- you know, too much to okay. talk about today. But uh, so we have the triple play payroll. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that's when, you know, we, we got during the week, you know, we've got a lot of data, we, you know, that came in, you know, starting with the ADP report, then the JOLTS report, then the weekly jobless claims, and then finally the monthly jobs report that came out this morning. Pretty good news there. We'll spend a little bit of time on that. You know, President Biden taking victory laps all morning long on my drive into the radio station. I heard him taking his victory laps. Is it, does it warrant it? We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, also, uh, inflation, you mentioned inflation, right? Big worry. Um, you know, we, we, we got some additional inflation data this week. You know, we got what the federal reserve likes to rely on, which is the, um, personal consumption expenditure right. index. So we got numbers on there. We'll go over, um, it's still March madness, Carrie, right? Hmm, I think that's over. 
<laughs> are you talking about the mark? Neither is over ta- yet, nor the basketball the tournament tax? or the tax preparation. Come on, still got a couple weeks, right? Oh, I know the tax preparation, or though for some people like you, you have till October. Yeah. Uh, so, one, <laughs> yeah, one of the things, though, I want to talk today is is we always bring this up at this time a year or whenever our clients are talking about it, and that's how to report a qualified charitable distribution correctly on your tax return. Because, Carrie, as you know, over the years since that's been available, not only are the, you know, we read the stories in the tax court, you know, the tax published tax court and letter rulings and stuff like that, we've also had it affect our clients. And so if, you, if you're thinking of a qualified charitable distribution or, you know, you want, if you're doing your own tax return, so you want to stay tuned for that. You don't want to – you want to do it properly, right? And it takes coordination of advisors. One of the big things we're, we're about um, – we also had, you know, President Biden's, you know, build a better budget plan, Carrie. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, I'll, and I'll talk a little bit about why at the estate planning team we put no credence, in, in credence into any POTUS budget. Right. We do not recommend that you change your financial model based on a wish list that the current president gives in his budget. Right, because he doesn't control the budget. Um, all right. So, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then I also, um, you know, one of the things, Carrie, we may be celebrating more than one resurrection this Easter, Carrie. Okay. So we've got the Secure Act 2. Okay. Come to the surface. Which they've talked about. Hot, it's yeah, been talked right. about and talked about, but nothing right. happened. And, and remember when uh, earlier in the year, when I do the show of what, what I thought that the main topics would be for 2022, mm-hmm. that was one of them. I said, we'll definitely be talking about the Secure Act 2. And it's been brought to the front again. And will we see it get it done this time? So, it, you know, it passed the House of Representatives on a new vote, overwhelmingly bipartisan. I think there right. were only five nays in the 450, whatever, how many votes there were. So we'll, talk, we'll review, because that's been a while since we reviewed right. what's in that. And remember, there's various bills and acts floating around. This right, has been but- in the... This has been, been in the, the work for a couple of years, hasn't yeah, it? Really? And it was because I thought it was shortly after the first one came out they were talking about the second one. Yeah. It was proposed, but the Rona. then we kind of yeah. The Rona changed everything. The election. Uh, <laughs> the election. But no, it's not even an election carry. This is bipartisan. Right. Um the Rona stopped it. Um that's what stopped it. Um and then it, you know, that now it's yeah, I'm a, you, it's somewhat political because I think the Democrats thought that they would get a Build Back Better plan done mm-hmm. and somehow they would incorporate with that. But remember, prior to that, the Senate had their own version. The Houses had various versions. Right. So they're like picking and choosing. the, the They're trying to find some consensus in right. all these acts about what's going to make it to the final one. Which I always love when they propose doing small things pass through that. Why don't you just pass the things that you agree on right. and you'd make more progress. So anyway, so, so much to get to. Um, where do we start? How about the recession calls? You know, it, it's <laughs> so it's getting to the point, Carrie, where I think, uh, you know, the, the chatter that I see and what I read is suggesting there's less and less confidence, you know, at this point that the U.S. can avoid a recession. Right. Um, so I'm kind of just keeping track on who's making recession calls. That's my term, by the way, recession. A lot of people are blaming the, this economic, continued economic risk, you know, right. with the war in Eastern Europe. All right. Um, Janet Yellen, still no recession. Now, I haven't we haven't heard from Janet in a while, no. you know, Treasury Secretary. So, I, you know, always reported to be the, the smartest person in the room, whatever okay. room she's in. Um, former federal chair president, as you right. know. Goldman Sachs places a 35% chance of a U.S. recession in next year in 2023. Um, how about the current Fed president, Jay Powell, right? His famous quote is, the probability of a recession within the next year is not particularly elevated. Not particularly. He's very... I th- think he chooses his vocabulary on these things very carefully because it's so vague. Right. Um, let's see, Philip Palumbo, one of the leading, you know, wealth managements. 
he said, a combination of high U.S. debt levels, rising inflation, and what he called essentially World War III developing in front of our eyes will result in a recession at the end of this year, if not in 2023. David Rosenberg, recession may come as early as this summer. The Fed hiking rates usually leads to bad things for the economy. The Fed's ability to guide the economy in, into a slowdown without genuine contraction is about a 25% chance historically. Um, Peter Morrissey, uh, thanks to the failure to act while the economy was expanding at a red-hot 6.9% in the fourth quarter, the Fed now faces a Sophie's choice, either high interest rates that would instigate a recession or half measures, which culminated in, in 12% inflation. In other words, that's the Sophie's choice out right. there. A lot of people say, take your pick. Either you have embedded higher inflation for much right. longer or you slam on the brakes and go into recession. Hmm. Um, and there's not that. Okay, Wells Fargo places a 50% chance of recession by 2023. Um, their reasons, war in Ukraine, historic inflation, spiking mortgage rates, commodity prices, and the continued you know, threat, financial threat of Rona. Um, Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bastic notes, in every similar case since 1960, when the Fed has had to respond to a rapid increase in inflation, results has been a recession. Citigroup Global Chief Nathan Sheets says odds of recession are significant over the next 18 months. Carl Eichen, you might have heard of him, a famous investor, feels uh, said that Fed's monetary pol- printing, okay, <laughs> said that Fed's money printing party will end badly because they can't control inflation, you know, as, you know, and, and that's boom. Um, former, so, former New York Fed, one more, carry. former New York Fed President William Dudley, Bill Dudley, quote, with inflation at a four-decade high and Fed Reserve increasing interest rates despite falling growth, expectations for the U.S. economy, a recession is now, is now all but inevitable. Go ahead, Gary. Well, no, I was going to say, you can't control whether or not there's going to be a re- uh, recession. You can control um, your own assets. And I know, Mark, you've talked about in the, actually, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, you talked about having your cash reserve, rebalancing, you know, being proactive about the things that you can control, and also having a model of, a worst case scenario, a recession, higher inflation rates and saying, does that affect the longevity of my plan? Do I need to adjust? And for some people, maybe it's a 20, 30 percent adjustment on your discretionary spending. Maybe your plan's not lasting or your money's not lasting to age 100. It's lasting to age 95. So maybe you're terrified and you're worried, which I think a lot of people are, or you're not going to retire. But in reality, you shouldn't be. Or there's only minor adjustments you need to make. And I think that's the value of having a plan as well as we always talk about taking advantage of opportunities and the and creating that income you need tax efficiently certainly helps. But it's also just knowing, are you going to be okay? And this is a way for people to know. Right. And I think, so, the, you know, the Tina principle, have you heard that one? No, I have not. Okay. The, there is no alternative, right? So so <laughs> that's what the it's the Federal Reserve President Chair, you know, Powell is has to face. Mm-hmm. There, there probably is no. He is going to raise interest rates. You know, I think we're going to see fifty basis point hike in May, and he is slamming on the brakes. I think he's saying, I don't think we're going to have stagflation. We we got also the payroll data, which right. doesn't point to lower uh, or higher unemployment. You know, right. the labor market so strong, so I think that's going to keep us out of the 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 worst. You know, that the stagflation that we saw in the seventies. Right. So, but, but recession, yeah. So I know that Mark Zandy of Moody's was saying that even though we have strong job as far as wages, they're not keeping even close to pace with inflation, No, which that's a problem. Right. But, but the, 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 the issue is if you, if, if, (laughs) if, uh, if wages, if, if employers are forced to pay higher wages to attract employees, right. They're still saying they can pass that cost back on to the consumer. The consumer. Okay, so until we have demand destruction, you know, right. in other words, and so you have to watch. One of the things we'll be watching this year then is the top line earnings of the, of the of the major corporations. Right. So the bottom line may be suspect to what's going on, but the top line, in other words, th- what's going to change their minds is if they can't keep revenues up. You know, if right. the consumer starts cooling off and their revenues go down, they're not going to continue to hire people at a higher and higher rate. No, they're not. 
going to be able to. Right. And th- and that's the cons- that's the risk. Right. Right. And, and so we'll have to see. Um, you know, right now we're in the great rehire. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we had the great resignation. Right. Now we're in the great rehire. And, and, and you know, I'm kind of I'm going to go over. So, so let's look at them. So what what about the triple play payroll data that we got this week? Okay, starting with the ADP report. So it actually came in at 455,000, a little bit better than what the consensus was, 450,000. Okay. Um, and the, the prior month's revision was up from 475,000 to 486,000. So, you know, everything looks good there about... You know, there's saying about about one and about one and a half million jobs added in the first quarter. This is why President Biden's taking a victory lap right now, right? Um, I don't think. Yeah, there's so much going on. I don't think he, should he be keeps taking... calling it new jobs. I kind of think it's a rehire. But, yeah, I don't think uh, it's quite know, new. Um, whatever uh, the uh, okay. Then then the Jolts report um, again. Eleven point three million job openings. See, see, employers are still looking for people. Desperately, and and because consumers so far is hanging in there, and and yeah, they they had to pay a higher wage, but they're they're still doing that. Then on Thursday we had the weekly jobless claims, and these are people losing jobs, right? So that mm, a little hiccup, a little backpedal, right? So the consensus was about one hundred ninety six new jobless claims that came in a little over that two hundred thousand. Remember that two hundred thousand is like a. A, a threshold we, we look at, right? And and yeah, tip back over two hundred two thousand. Not you know that wasn't great news. Um, and then how about the jobs report? All right, so the consensus was looking for four hundred and ninety thousand. Okay. okay. Um, as I said, ADP reported four hundred fifty five thousand. Okay, the actual came in at four hundred thirty one thousand. Mm, a little short. A little short. Um, but previous month was. Increased favorably by about ninety-five thousand. So if you take the four thirty-one plus the ninety-five revision, you're still over five hundred thousand for the uh, you know for the for the month. Let's say um, so. It's pretty much good news, but but really nothing surprising there. Um, but what was in terms of the jobs? What a bit surprising was that unemployment. Okay, it ticked down to three point six percent. Okay, so this is where I'm saying this is going to help that those stagflation threats, right? Employment is ticking down still, not going up, right? Right, and and and, and the good news is really it was strong across the lower class cycle, you know, right. cycles. In other words, that's what Fed Powell was worried about. He's saying, yeah, okay, the, you know, remember we're always talking about the quintiles when you break down the classes, you know, economic classes. You know, the middle class, you have two upper and two lower, right? So what Fed Powell was worried about were the two lower classes, middle mm-hmm. and two lower, meaning right. were there, were, 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 could you keep those people employed, you know, you know, reemployed, you know, after the, the run. Yeah, if you've got a you've got a mathematical degree or an engineering degree. Yeah, you're going to get a job. But can the you know, so across the and that's really across the races. You know, they look at black, Asian, white and Hispanic. Right. So black unemployment is still low at, historically at six point two percent. Asian, two point eight percent. White, about three point two percent. Hispanic, about four point two percent unemployment. So those were all good. Um, so we you know, now we need to look at the positive with all. <laughs> but what happened? The, see, the bond market's not believing all this, right? They're in the more because as soon as that jobs report came out this morning, the two and ten yield curve inverted. Now it inverted earlier in the week on right. Tuesday for about a cup of coffee, and then it, you know it was back. Um, it, it, it inverted this morning, okay? And a lot of people think that's a, a, a key indicator of red light, so to speak, of a coming recession. Not tomorrow. But maybe within the next 18 months. So there's okay. some more uh, food of thought for there. Um, so what do you do with all this? Well, if, if you're looking at, if you are concerned about a recession or a embedded inflation, mm-hmm. you can. there's things you can do down and dirty, you know, right. with, uh, with using a simpler calculator, or you can do it more formally come in and see us and we'll help you build a detailed financial plan that's what we've been doing for clients for 35 years and even though we haven't had to deal with you know this real inflation because these are 40 year high right Mm -hmm. Uh, you know i was saying that uh the yeah and and and, well let me just give you the the pce so yeah i mean you know remember the that's what the fed 
preferred inflation right. uh, meter is the personal consumption expenditures. So let me just quickly, because that came out this week too. So, all right. So February, the headline number, um, 6.4% year over year, 40 year highs, right? Um, now the monthly month, the month increase, because that's what we're looking to see. Even, you know, are we seeing the increases decreasing month to month? Mm-hmm. We know it still looks pretty bad, you know, year over year. Right. Um, but but how, you know, how are the, 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 the month to month? All right. So for February, okay, it was up, the month to month was 0.6%. Okay. All right. And that was the same as the previous month, 0.6. That, so that didn't, you know, change one way or the other. Now, the Fed really likes to look at core. That's when you exclude food and energy, right? So what did the core do? So the core for the year over year came in at 5.4%, slightly better than the previous January year to year at 5.5%, going the right direction, Mm -hmm. right? And same with the month to month. So February, it was up 0.4%, whereas, you know, during the month, whereas January, it was up 0.5%. So the Fed would say maybe looking at that and saying, yeah, this looks, you know, other than the headline year to year, everything else may be going in our direction. But the, the point is, if you don't believe that the Federal Reserve, that they're going to get back to their target <laughs> to right. 3.3%, if you don't believe, also, you know, President also came out this week that President Biden's budget, you know, but just as an example, you know, one of the reasons why I say we don't really pay, pay, pay much attention to the budget the president's budget is because th- they were assuming that the inflation rate for this year would be 4.7. Mm, how? Well, because they said they were using data, early data, mm. um, and, 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 and down to 2.3% next year. See, one of the reasons why I take the president's budget with a grain of salt, right? Um, but if you're concerned and you say, well, what can I, how can I quickly know how uh, how this embedded inflation if i believe it's going to be a little bit more than transitory how that would affect some of these general rules that you've been using to run to run your financial model right like the four percent rule. like the four percent rule which i'm sure all of you have heard or seen the articles if you're into this type of stuff the four percent rule is broken well they've been saying the four percent rule has been broken for a decade for a decade, I think. Math. Uh, well, trust that, me, I've got the article. the people that are the new math people where, well, yeah. in my world, two plus two still equals four. I don't care how you feel about it. That's reality. And the 4% rule is changing different variables. It's just math. Which doesn't change. Right. So if you're, what changes is your assumptions about the future. For example, what investment rate of return are you assuming? A second was how many years are you running it? You know, Benjamin used 30 years. Is that your time period? Do you need to go longer than that for your retirement? Do you need to go shorter than that for your remaining lifetime? Um, it also assumed a cost of living increase on spending or what we call inflation. Now, Benjamin used 3.5%. So if you're saying, well, that's no longer valid, all right, well, what do you want to use? So let's let's run. So that's a way you could modify if you're just doing this on the back of a napkin or a simple calculator. That's how you could modify the four percent rule because you may be saying, Mark, I no longer believe that inflation is only at three and a half percent. I think I better build in a higher seven percent. Let's right. say current inflation. So if you so you know based on a three and a half percent and a five percent rate of return and a thirty year time period, you start with a million dollars, you take out four percent, forty thousand the first right. year, and then increase that forty thousand by three and a half percent for the remaining thirty years, your million dollars would be approaching zero at the end of that thirtieth year. Right. Now that that's not everybody's plan, by the way. Not everybody right. plans to spend the last dollar on their last day. No. But some people do. So if you say, oh, I don't want my million dollars running to zero at the end of the 30 years, okay, then you have to tell the robot, what do you do want it to be? 500,000, 300,000, and then redo the math. Right. Okay. Um, Or in this case, if you're saying, well, I got to tell the robot, use higher inflation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what if you use 7% inflation for 30 years? Ouch. Okay. Oh, Uh, let's hope not. But let's look. That's now your 4% rule, keeping all the other assumptions the same. So in this scenario, I'm only changing the cost of living. 
So it's still running out. It's last dollar, last day. Still 5% rate of return. Okay. For now. Okay. Um, And right, starting with a million dollars. All right. So if you assume 7% inflation for the 30 years, okay, your 4% rule becomes 2.5%. Okay. So now you'd be able to take out 25,000 in the first year. Right. Increase that by 7% inflation. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you want to maintain that. All right. a lot of people think, oh boy, that's a big steep decline from forty thousand to twenty five thousand. Well, that seven percent, I don't right. think is. It may be conservative, but I don't think seven percent inflation for thirty years is very realistic. Okay, so let's use seven percent for the next five years. Okay, and then re- reduce it to the three and a half percent. Okay, what Benjamin used. Okay, now your four percent rule becomes three point six percent. A little hmm, bit better. That's not too bad. Thirty six thousand. So maybe forty thousand to thirty six thousand. Maybe you got terrible. enough cushion in there, and you could deal with that. But now, what happens if you also think that there, we could have a recession, especially if you were planning on retiring and starting this withdrawal in the next couple of years? And people are saying maybe I should delay my retirement. Well, how about you get some number crunching before you make that emotional decision? So and, and you say, well, how? And so what if you say it's going to be a, a recession? So in the first year of my retirement, there's going to be a 15 percent loss in my account. Ouch. Not a 5 percent gain. OK. And then the second year, there's a zero percent gain. OK. We're starting to get, you know, get through it. The recovery period. Then by the third year, maybe I'm back to half my 5 percent. There's a two and a half percent gain. Okay. So now I've added in a, a modeled in a recession. 15% loss in the first year, 0% gain in the second year, 2.5% gain in the third year, then 5% ongoing. And I left in the embedded inflation, 7% for the next five years. Okay. And then reverting back to 3.5% ongoing. Now, can you do that math in your head, Carrie? No. Okay. So the robot can do it in the blink of an eye. And it comes back. So now your 4% rule becomes 2.7%. And you'd be able to take out 27000 in the first year and then add inflation to it. And that's knowing your numbers. And that is just a down and dirty. Now, when we're really working with clients, we do a much more deal because the one of the basic problems with the 4% rule, of course, is it's only supposed to be used for doing a, a simple calculator. Remember, Biden was doing this in, back in the early 90s. It doesn't take into account... Reality, what, really. Of, of, guess what? Assets are taxed differently. There's non-qualified, there's Roth, there's IRA. And how do you combine those strategies? And, because- and, right, and you're... Real spending isn't is just the previous year plus inflation. Some years you have to buy new automobiles. Some years you may be buying a new home. And some so, things aren't inflationary because you'll say, I'll just adjust based right. on I'm only going to spend this amount on like hobbies or some people feel that way about travel. Or a lot of people go into retirement still owning debt, a mortgage or what have you, but that's not going to last for all 30 years. That's a fixed expense, right? But it's not going up. If it's fixed, right? And it may not be going on for 30 years. Right. So that's why you really in today's world, the reason we don't really use that, we use 4% rule just to get quick ideas, right? That's, are you in the ballpark? Yeah. It's kind of a general. But if you really want to get accurate, you, you do a, a detailed model. But the same point is in our models that we're running for clients, we have your base case A, your plan A saying, okay, there is no recession. Everything is going normal. But we also may run a plan R, in this case for a recession, and build some of these in, higher inflation. And, and we may be using three or four different inflation rates depending on the characteristic of the expense. Right. We now, always that's use, really getting real. Right. And we've always used a higher expense or inflation rate for health care. But then also like an empty nest reduction, you know, you're helping your kids out. Hopefully you won't be doing that forever. Maybe you will. But it, it's modeling these different scenarios. And, and when we initially do it, you keep all the expenses the same because in some cases you won't have to adjust and other people will. But it's knowing this information so that you're making good informed decision. And then it certainly goes into another layer of creating that income tax efficiently um, and using the opportunities and avoiding the traps in the complicated tax code. And the estate planning team offers a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation We're doing those by phone or happy to do those in person to see if you can benefit and um, you can give us a call, leave us a message. We'll call you back on Monday or you can send an email through our website and sign up for our newsletter also um, through email. It's for um, call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 
or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right, listen to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, we've certainly have had to tell our clients and our listeners, don't listen to POTUS budgets. Mm-hmm. They're meaningless. I don't care if it's a Democrat or a Republican in the White House. Their budgets are meaningless. They don't mean anything. They're wish lists. They don't go anywhere. You don't. We do not recommend that you change your financial model based on a POTUS budget. All right. Um, now, in President Biden's most recent budget that he released this week. All right. So one of the big things I did get comments from clients, Mark, what are tax rates going up? You know, because he was floating a new version of the billionaires tax. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I called the Biden's billionaire budget buster. Right. You know, he's, right. And, and that's remember, that's that's Elizabeth Warren's, you, you know, net worth tax. You know, it's a, it's not happening, right. in my opinion. It, there's a constitutional issue about it, 16th Amendment. It, it, it's not real. I don't know how you would even implement it. How, how would you possibly, how would that, you would need an army of, the, of, of IRS agents that would somehow have to try to value everybody's capital appreciating property, or at least everyone over a certain level. And, and granted, it's not, it's, most of the listeners is not going to affect you guys at all one way or the other. You know, it's hundreds of millions of dollars before, uh, you, you know, and it's really going after about 700 multi-billionaires. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. But whatever. That Remember, that's how the AMT originally came in, you know, in the late 60s after the Vietnam War. They found out that there was the very high earners of America weren't paying taxes, so they instituted the alternative minimum tax. Completely failed. It's now been pretty basically been repealed. Um, this is just another version of try, trying to go after these billionaires because they've got the best tax accountants who get right. who uses the rules to. Anyways, um, so I, I don't you know I don't put I don't even sp- I don't want to spend any more time on it, Carrie. I, all right, I just don't listen to it. Um, all right. It is, like I said, we are in March Madness. Um, QCDs, qualified charitable distributions, so which is a great strategy, right? And 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 it got if just real quickly, if you've never heard of that term before, it's the idea that if you have attained age seventy and a half, you are eligible to take money out of your IRA. And send it directly to a charity. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ask because I know some people are gonna say, but what minimum required to, isn't 72? This rule still falls under age 70 and a half, which I think is confusing. Right. So that because the it was a right originally when the RMD was 70 and a half, that's when the QCD came in and they kept it. It's it's not in the same law, Carrie. It's right. A, so it's not in the same Internal Revenue Code section. So when they created the QCD, they picked 70 and a half as well. Right. But then when they changed the RMD rules, they didn't change with the, the Secure QCD. Act 1, it didn't affect the QCD rule. So theoretically, it's still... Now, the other difference that we had to deal with at one time was that when you're talking about your RMD, when it was 70 and a half... You didn't have to if you you could take it out any month of the year you attained age seven and a half. So in other words, if you attained seven and a half in June, you could do your RMD in January, right? Okay, because that year you were attaining seven and a half. It doesn't work that way with QCDs, right? If your if your seven and a half birthday is in June, you can't do a QCD in January. Mm-hmm. You have to attain age seventy and a half before you can do one. But the big win is if you are using it to offset your RMD. So, so let me get back to the basics. So you take money directly out of your IRA and send it directly to the charity. If you follow that, cross the T's and dot the I's, you do not have to report the IRA distribution as a taxable distribution on your tax return. Which is even bigger with the standard increase in right. standard deduction where people were doing charitable and be able to itemize. When a lot of people can't itemize anymore, it's a great tool or for right. other reasons to still get the benefit of that charitable right, contribution. Yeah, because if you're not itemizing, remember when President Trump's 
you know, tax act, the jobs act of 2017 doubled the standard deduction. A lot of most Americans are no longer itemizing. So they're not really getting any tax benefit for their charitable contributions. Now, we got a little relief in that with the non-itemizer, you right. know, the $300, $600, you know, that was in for the last two years. Maybe they'll make that permanent in 2020, you know, for 2022. I don't know. Um, we'll see. But back to the or the other thing that's going to happen, Carrie, is when Trump's tax act expires at the end of 2025, Without extending it or making it permanent, you know, the standard deduction, we're going to go right back to the old one. You know, right. it's going to be cut in half again, and maybe more people will be able to itemize at that point. But in the meantime, the other benefit, of course, is by by lo- it lowers your adjusted gross income. So any of those tax thresholds that are based on adjusted gross income or a modified adjusted gross income, you're picking up a benefit there. Also, you're still Ohio taxpayers, and since Ohio doesn't give you charitable deductions, by lowering your federal AGI, in essence, you're lowering your Ohio tax return because Ohio starts with your federal AGI. So now you are getting a little bit of a state benefit by doing the QCD. Right. Um, but we always warn people that it, it should be a coordinated effort. So who should be involved in this decision? Well, one is your financial planner. That's what we help clients with. Right. right. In other words, are you a good candidate for a QCD? You know, what do you look for? You know, well, first of all, are, have you attained age 70 and a half? I guess we could start there. Right. But also maybe are you charitably inclined? Maybe we ought to start there. Right. Um, but then also it's the idea that. um You know, how does it affect, again, not just if you do a QC this, QCD this year, Carrie, what's the effect over your full retirement, right? You know, is, are you getting, you know, is, is it making sense to do it? So a lot of times, you know, that's where we start with our clients, you know, identifying who or who isn't a good candidate for QCDs. But after that, okay, you certainly want your investment advisor, or if you're doing your own investments, your IRA custodian, you need to be working with them. Right. Mm -hmm. Obviously, because they've got to cut the checks or send the wires to the charity directly. Remember, the money can't go to you. Okay, it's got to go directly to the charity. All right. Um, Also, your tax preparer. All right. And this is where I really want to talk about the March Madness. Right. Because what we found and and, and really the the use of QCDs ballooned after the standard deduction was doubled. Right. Just ballooned because people had to do this. Get any, you know benefit for doing their charitable deduction. So yeah, that now there's also a couple other rules you got to know. Um, how much can you do? Well, the threshold's pretty high right now. It's a hundred thousand per, mm-hmm. uh, you know, taxpayer. So in other words, if you're married jointly and each of you have IRAs and each of you could do a hundred thousand. Okay. Pretty high, but just a, a sidebar, the secure act Two, which I hopefully I still want, I got to get to care. How much right. time? I have to watch your time. All right. Um, we'll get to that. Yeah. Next secure act Two is they're talking about, um, indexing the hundred thousand cap for inflation. You know, okay. Going um, so, but the thing, so last thing real quickly that I want you to be, be careful. See, this is where you got to be careful and you got to coordinate with your, your tax preparers because when the 1099 R comes out, it shows all your IRA distributions that you did during the year, including whether you did some, you know, multiple distributions. Some you spent, maybe you were using it for your required minimum. Right. You had withholding, but you also maybe you did a QCD. Mm-hmm. So there is no indicator on the 1099R that says you did a QCD. So if you give it to the tax preparer or you're inputting and you fr- you're just going to input the taxable amount, your federal withholding, your state withholding. Right. And that's been a big problem. Right. And I do believe Congress eventually is going to have to fix that or the I Treasury. I think, yeah, that, that they, you, there they, would be a little box. Yeah, add I mean, a box. I, there's so many codes on the back of the 1099R. Just add another one, you know. Right. And say this amount, I yeah. would think. I mean, it's a lot of burden, I guess, on the custodian, and that's what... But they track that anyway. I would think it's just, you know... Okay. Um, So, yeah. So, you have to make sure that you give good information. If you've never done a QCD or this is the first year you're doing it... And and assuming it's going to be in those buried in that 1099, it's not. Right. So, you've got to watch those. Especially if you're doing your own tax return using one of the robots... 
you got to go through their menu and they'll ask you about QCDs. Or if they're not, you, you got to somehow find that in the software. Right. If you're using a professional, they probably send you that tax packet and they probably somewhere on there talk about QCDs. Make sure you fill it out. Right. Or it may, better yet, make sure you have a verbal co- conversation. Hey, by the way, you know, give throw throw your tax preparer a bone. Say, hey, I did a QCD this year. You got that down. This is the amount. Right. And then, yeah. Now. Also, the charity, you know, you've got to coordinate with the charity. First, it's got to be oh, a valid charity, obviously, right? Um, you got to make sure because if they're sending them the money directly, you want to make sure sh- that you want to make sure the charity knows it came from you. Right. And hopefully the charity is sending you a letter or some confirmation that they got it. So I've seen some of our clients' letters, and the ones that do it right, it's a real good letter. You know, the letter says, okay, dear Mr. Ms. Smith, you know, thank you for your contribution of X amount of dollars. This is, we have this as a qualified charitable distribution, so we know you're not going to get a tax deduction for it, but it's still, you know, it's all there. And that's a good thing to keep in your tax file forever. Right. And if you need help with these issues, you can give us a call at the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or visit our website for our podcast. You can sign up for our newsletter or contact us for a free consultation at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So let's see. How much can I do? If I don't get through all this, Carrie, we're sure we'll be talking about this all year. But we're talking about the Secure Act 2. It's been resurrected, right? Um, now, again, as I said, there's been multiple acts in the past. You know, the House has their versions. You know, the House also has the RISE Act, which is the Retirement Improvement and Savings Enhancement Act. Um, this the Secure Act obviously stand, you know, stands for Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement. You know, the first one passed in 2019. That's what raised the RMD from 70 and a half to 72, plus a lot of other things. Okay, Um now, in the Senate, they have their own versions. They call theirs the SASRA, you know, Securing a Strong Retirement Act. Um, there's also there's something out there floating around called the Women's Retirement Protection Act. Um, there's the, the, you know, I already said the RISE Act. So there's lots of versions, right? Um, so what's in this latest House version? Okay. Um, and what's, and what's, what's, why is this happening, Carrie? Well, basically because it's really a lot of this has to do with 401ks. You know, so everybody now knows that the 401k was a complete failure for the baby boomers, right? Um, recent studies found that one in three adults have less than $5,000 in retirement savings. Hmm. Well, that means two and three have more. <laughs> and nearly half, 44%, have no steps to prepare for the likelihood that they could live out their savings. You mentioned that earlier. That's what everybody's fear is, right? Um, an Aspen survey found that 40% of Americans would struggle with a $400 cash emergency right now, Carrie. Hmm. Um, government data says only about half of private sector workers participate in a retirement plan at work, you know, because the 401k is voluntary, right? Right. Um, only 42% of part-time workers even have access to a retirement right. plan. Right, because sometimes it's full, based on full-time employment. Right. So that's the backdrop. Right. So so what is the Secure Act? To? OK, so one of the things it's going to continue to ele- or raise the required minimum distribution date. OK, it's going to be laddered in. Right. So start, you know, it, so it first it would go to age 73 and that would be starting in year 2023. And that would be for individuals who attain age 72 after 1231 22. Okay. And age 73 before January 1st of 2030. So that's the next group. You know, okay. That, that 2023 to 2030 group. And for That'll them, be confusing for people that oh, are turning 72 this year. You think? <laughs> um, you know, so, so that would be uh, age 73. Then starting in 2030, it would go up to age 74. Okay. And again, for individuals who reach age 73 after 1231 29, and age 74 before January 1st of 2033. Okay. Okay, then the next would be going up to age 75, and that would start in 2033. And that would be for all individuals who attain age 74 after 123132. Okay. Other big change here, increase... Um, but Rothify catch-up contributions. So, you know, the catch-up contributions is saying if you're over a certain age, right. you get to put more into a company plan, right? Right, or an IRA. So for 2022, for example, if you're over age 50, 
you can put an extra 6,500. So the base 401k contribution, right, is, um, you know, for 2022 is 20,500. But with the catch up, another 6,500, you could get up to 27,000, right? Now, so for the for the old, little bit older people, for the ages 62 through 64, now why they cut off at 64, I have no idea, but I'm not Assuming here. Assuming everybody's going to retire because they're going to go on yeah, Medicare. I'm not here to discuss the the logic, fairness, or simplicity of our U.S. tax code. <laughs> Just talking about what they want to change, right? Right. So they want it, the new higher uh, catch-up for ages 62 to 64 up to $10,000. That's You know what? That's a lot if you're getting close to, you know, Starting, and maybe you're at your peak yeah. earning year, years. That could help some people out. Starting in 2024. But the difference is... Because they got to pay for this, right? The difference is those catch-ups all have to go to Roth. So meaning you're not going to get a tax, you're not going to get a pre-tax deduction. <laughs> now the benefit is you got money in a tax-free wrapper, Roth. Which later on when you take out, it's tax-free. Okay. As a matter of fact, for all catch-up contributions starting in 2023 must be made to Roth accounts. Okay. Um, now for the IRAs, much lower catch-up right now. It's $1,000. Um, what they want to do there, they're not increasing that per se. They're just saying that will now be indexed for inflation. So it would be going up with some inflation. Measure. Also, changes to the company match. Um, okay, currently must be paid to pre-tax or traditional 401k accounts. Right. So even if you're contributing, which we have some clients, I'm I'm doing all my contributions, which... Uh, to a Roth 401k, but any match right now has to go to the traditional. That's how it is right now. Right. That would change starting in 2023. Companies, now this is up to your employer. Remember, the problem with the government, if they put all these variations, it puts a lot more burden on the company. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the company would have the option of permitting employees to elect some or all of the match to be Roth 401k. Okay. Okay. Um, and of course, you know, employer matching contributions designated as Roth contributions would not be excluded from employer's gross taxable income. Again, you'd be taxed on that. You know, they got um, now. Who wouldn't? I would want. I would think who wouldn't want it to go to the Roth four hundred one k because I don't get a deduction for my company match anyway. The um, so you might as well have them go to our Roth. It, it, it just if it would be Carrie, it would be the situation where you're in a high in- income years. And you're trying to reduce those. And then when you enter in retirement, you could do the Roth conversions at a much lower rate. Right. It's, 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 that, it's back to that. Okay. You know, that's why you don't ask your neighbor, you know, what, what they're doing. Um, other changes in the in Secure Act too. Authorized student loan matching. All right. So this is would allow companies to make matching contributions to employees' four hundred one k accounts based on how much they are making in student loans. Okay. Even if they're not contributing to the 401k. Because mm-hmm. that's what the younger generation is saying. I can't contribute to my 401k because I got student loans. Right. That would be a big benefit, I would think, for some people. Okay. And and the, the government would say the matching contributions for student loans must vest under the same schedule as the other matching contributions. Um, and they also say that will maybe even help the higher income people at the, employ, at the, at the employer rate because um, – Tying employers' 401k matching contribution to employees' student loan payments also could help plan sponsors pass the annual 401k anti-discriminatory test, right, which prevents plans from favoring highly compensated key right. employees. So, so we have some clients that are there, they, they can't even put the max in because there's not enough of the younger right. empl- or the, the lower payroll. They're not contributing. Right. They didn't elect to contribute. Okay. Um, and then there also there's going to be you know things about extending to 403Bs you know you know the the same of design of the features of the 401k. Um, also, they, you know they want to eliminate certain barriers to offering lifetime income annuities as retirement plan options. You know, you know QLACs, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and that's the idea that you, you very rarely would you have a annuity option in a 401k. You know the the same. In other words, but after the after forty years of four hundred one ks, now completely a, a flop for most baby boomers. It failed. Now the ba- you know no one's retiring with pensions anymore. Now everyone's saying, "Hey, those pensions weren't such a bad thing." Right. 
All right. Why do you think the fixed annuity is skyrocketed over the last with decade? the income riders? Right. You know, mm. it's 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 you know that idea of your pri- you know creating your own pension. Well, it's going to be back in the four hundred one k's. You're going to have options there, and what the government's going to do is they're going to they're going to make it so that the the employer can't be held responsible because they, they have to choose a, a life insurance company, right? Because right? only life insurance companies can you know do annuities. So they won't be held responsible if the life insurance company goes belly up. Right. And, Which and companies are going to be concerned about? All right. Um, they're all, they also want to create an online retirement savings lost and found database at the Department of Labor, which would help workers or retirees find lost retirement accounts left at former employers that may have gone out of business or merged with another corporation. That would be a nice thing to have, mm-hmm. right? Because we have, you know, people right now sometimes go to the um, unclaimed funds, right? And, and that's a nightmare, right? But, you know, maybe this is a way that they'd be able to find their lost 401ks a bit quicker. Um, and, of course, you know, for the younger people, they want to do automatic enrollment, you know, the idea right. of starting. And they want to start that at 3 They would start that at 3% of the pay and then increase 1% a year until they get up to 10%. Now, of course, employees could opt out of that, but at least the idea is if you get started and it's mandatory, just like how your you know Social Security is right. funded, you don't have a choice. You know, you you, it, you like getting that Social Security check in retirement, but you paid for it, right? right? You know, and you had no options there, but it works over time. It's the same idea, right? It's not. It's it's, it's time in. It's how quickly you can get that mm-hmm. money, and the quicker you get to ten percent savings. I haven't talked about the fifty thirty twenty rule in a while, have I? No. You know, I have, to, I have to get that. Um, all right, let's see if there's anything else. Um, well, it's. I'm just looking back to see if there was anything in the in the previous ones um, that they dropped or that they are kept. Um, no, it's it's pretty consistent. Um, Part of the the SASRA, you know, securing a strong retirement act in the Senate. Some of the things that I didn't see, you know, in the um, in the. But again, it, it's it's not finalized yet. But but remember, one of the things was about the RMDs, and if you miss the RMDs, right, that fifty percent excise right. tax, um, they the the SASRA, the Senate version, wanted to lower that to either twenty five percent or ten percent. Um, so that uh, hopefully that still gets in there. The other thing, too, um, you, you know, with the Brady, who is the, the House Minority Leader, Kevin Brady, right, he made an interesting comment, Carrie. So what's been consistent in all these versions of Secure Act 2, whatever alphabet you want to acronym you want to use, they all, all of them include the idea of raising the required minimum age right. from 72 now to 75. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Brady... You know, the Republican on Texas, he went one step further. Okay. And he said it's his goal to get rid of the RMD completely. And allow people to choose to leave it there, take it out, spend it, or. Now, that would be really interesting. That would completely change all of our clients' financial plans. That would be a biggie. Well, that get, would give you more control of things hitting your tax return, certainly. But we also, you've worked hard to save this money to use it during your lifetime, I would think. All right. So we'll keep an eye on that. We're in April. Um, I'm going to start talking about, you know, one of the things that may tip the U.S. into recession or not care is what happens with the home market, the, the housing market. Right. Here's some of the shock line risk. Home prices could just housing bubble brewing in the U.S., um, pending home sales sink in February, getting a grim tone as the housing market enters key spring season. Oh, boy, I'll go on and on. All right. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.